Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to Yes UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball teams of all time. Yes, that's right. Uh, teams. We're doing teams this summer. And uh, you know what? I, I think I'm, I'm really excited for the next couple of months. You know, we last year we spent all summer talking about the greatest games. You know, we we covered almost all the good ones. There's a handful of you know notable ones that we've saved for down the road. But you know, with the 2021 season over, we're you know we it's, we got a little bit of time to kill before anything particularly noteworthy happens. So, uh, Tim, I have a question for you. What's up? Who would win? <laughs> I think that's what we're about to find out. That's what we're gonna find out. So Tim Fontenot is gonna be with me all summer, and uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna be trying to answer that question over the course of these uh, coming weeks and months. Uh, who would win is the question of the day, and uh, basically what we're gonna dedicate this show to in the, the for the the coming season is trying to decide. Yeah, you know, we're gonna take the 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 greatest UConn basketball teams ever, and we'll go over the list of who those are and kind of how we rank them accordingly and stuff. And every episode, we're going to talk about each of those teams. Uh, Tim will argue in favor of one. I will argue in favor of the other. And we will try to discuss who would win if those two teams were to meet on the basketball court. So, Tim, I think just uh, first of all, how's it going? Uh, happy, happy to have you back. Uh, so, I guess just first things first. Uh, you know, we, uh, we we posted the the bracket on Twitter. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the concept and uh, you know, just generally speaking, kind of you know how what we're going to be doing in the next uh, month, couple months. You texted me about this, and I got really excited because I think this is such a really cool idea. Uh, gives us a lot of fun that we can have, especially you know. You and I both know how much UConn Twitter loves to argue with itself in the sake of fun, mostly in the sake of fun. Um, so when you asked me to rank these 16 teams for potential seeding, it was tough. It was like it, it, I was scratching my brain for a while, and I, I think I, I went way too deep sometimes. Um, I ended up personally in, in my seeding, I gave a lot more credit to the, the national championship teams. It, rather than weighing, you know, which of these teams would win head-to-head. I just, like, I couldn't get out of the this team won a title mode. But, you know, for the most part, I think there was one, I think there was one team that was very obvious when it came to seeding. The rest was... The rest was tough, and I think we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And that thing, what you just said about you know can't getting it out of your head about the national championships. Let's 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 just say this uh, loud and clear right at the top for everyone listening. That's not what this is about. This is all about who we think would win if they went head to head. And as we all know, basketball is a funny sport. So th- just because a team won a national championship. That doesn't fly here. You know, we, we want to talk about on-court factors, you know, who, who suited up for these teams, you know, at what point in their career, how productive were they? And of course, on, you know, tournament success is a big part of it. Obviously, the best teams have usually gone the furthest. But uh, notably, that's not always been the case. So, Tim, let's, uh, I guess before we uh, kind of go too deep into anything in particular, we should probably tell everyone the teams, right? Let's do it. All right. So... Um, we so basically what we got here is the 16 UConn teams that I believe to be the uh, you know that's the best and I, generally I think it worked out great where the it didn't feel like there was too much uh, gray area really like it, 16 felt like a good even number so well why don't we just off the top just address the one team I feel like could possibly be looked at as a notable sl- uh, snub and that's 2012 2012 did not make the field. And uh, the reason why is, I guess, just like the metrics didn't really show that they were really, really quite good enough. I mean, talent wise, they were obviously great. But, you know, Ken Palm, they weren't quite as good as the other teams on this list. And, uh, you know, obviously that team was frustrating as hell and, you know, lost in the first round. So I don't know. That's uh, I guess before we, we, we cover who is in, Tim, what are your thoughts on 2012? And do you, do you feel like maybe they should have been in or, or, or no? Um, I probably would have had them 17 or 18 if we were if we were extending this out. I think that they're a really fair omission. Like you said, that was a frustrating team that didn't play up to its potential. Obviously, there was a lot of talent on that team, but you know they they played a lot of bad basketball that year for the most part. It was it was tough to watch, especially coming off a championship year and having a huge recruit come in like Andre Drummond. Um, yeah, I I didn't even consider them when I was looking at this. I 
never what did that pop into my head like where's 2012 there were other teams that i maybe would have thought of before them anyway yeah and so and luckily most of the players on that team other than drummond are represented elsewhere so apologies to andre drummond you know it's it is what it is but we're not we're not doing 2012 so as for the teams we do have uh, i will be going uh in reverse order so the number 16 seed is uh this year's team 2021 uh you know james book knight rj cole and company uh, squeaks in as the 16 seed. The 15 seed we have 2016, uh, which was Kevin Ollie's best. Uh, well, I mean, after the national championship, of course, uh, Kevin Ollie's best team, kind of in the mid AAC era. You know, you have Daniel Hamilton in there, uh, Rodney Purvis, that whole crew. Uh, 2003 is our 14 seed. That team was, of course, the precursor to the 2004 championship. It featured many of the same players, uh, Emeka Okafor, Ben Gordon, basically like the proto championship, but not quite there yet. Uh, 2005 is our 13 seed. Uh, that was, of course, Charlie Villanueva t- uh, and uh, Rudy Gay, uh, kind of also sort of a, like a 2005 is kind of weird. Like they were like the reigning national championship, t- but also like not quite there yet for, you know, kind of almost a preview of 2006, I guess, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, 2002 is our 12 seed, uh, Karan Butler and, uh, and company, uh, Emeka Okafor, of course, uh, a freshman that year, uh, 1994 is our 11 seed. So I want to also say this is where it caught, it got interesting and we'll, we'll, I'll explain this, how we kind of, it all went down with seeding, but basically from like three to 11, we may as well have drawn these teams out of a hat. So it was, they were all really close and there was a lot of variation as to where these teams landed. So, uh, uh, Danielle Marshall, uh, was of course the superstar on the 94 team and, uh, you have freshman Ray Allen too, and many other program greats, uh, 1990, the dream season team is their 10 seed, uh, 1995, uh, is our nine seed. That's a uh, Ray Allen sophomore year. They were ranked number one, lost in the elite eight to UCLA. The 2014 championship team is our number eight seed. That may be slightly controversial, but you, you want to talk about a team with a lot of variation. Um, the people among the people that I reached out to looking for advice, they were some some people ranked this team in the top four, and then others had them as low as twelve. So they, they kind of come in in the middle, and I expect there'll be a, a topic of uh, interesting discussion as this goes along. Uh, 1996 is the number seven seed. That's Ray Allen's junior year, the the team that beat Georgetown in that great Big East championship game. 2006 is our six seed. Uh, this actually, uh, 96 and 2006 were actually tied. So we uh, we we put 2006 uh, over 96, basically just to create a better matchup. I figured 2006 versus 94 would make for a better matchup than 96 versus 94, since they feature so many <laughs> of the same players. So full disclosure there. Uh, actually, 95 and 90 were also tied uh, for the nine and ten seeds, and we div- divvied those up for the same reason. Uh, 1998 is our five seed. Uh, 98 was, of course, uh, the Rip Hamilton. Uh, most, actually, if we're being honest, it's most of the 99 championship team, except uh, one year, you know, younger and, you know, not quite there yet. Uh, 2011 is the four seed, Kemba Walker and company. 2009, the final four team with Hashim Thabit is our three seed, and uh, probably coming as no surprise, the number two seed uh, is 2004, and the unanimous selection for the number one overall seed is 1999, who uh, I I can't imagine that'll come as a surprise. So that's our field. Um, So I'll I'll run through the bracket in a little bit if you guys want, but Tim... um, I guess, you know, we, you and I, when we did our rankings, we're kind of similar. And just so the listeners know, I reached out to a whole bunch of people, uh, friends of the podcast, various UConn opinion havers, and basically said, hey, uh, rank you, rank these 16 teams, one to 16, and uh, just sort of had like a point system and whoever got the, the, the most high seeds and, you know, ended up having a lower score. So, you know, if you got a 99, you got a whole bunch of one seeds. So they had the lowest score by far. You know, that's, you, you, you get the idea. So, just uh, kind of average out everybody's uh, rankings that way, and that's how we got this uh, list. And I, I feel pretty good out, about it. Um, so I don't know, Tim. What do you what do you think just about what we got here? Um, just uh, overall thoughts on the field. Yeah, I I don't have any complaints about this. Like you said, for especially from three down to like probably around twelve, you just draw out of a hat, and any of these teams it would have been fair wherever they fell. Um, like I think I said earlier, I did give preferential treatment to the championship teams, but. I had taken out kind of like the the who would win matchup, and I was just thinking about like what they achieved. Um, so I was 
my top four was the champions. And I just like, but when I look at this bracket, this is, this is really well put together. I think that this is a really fair reflection of the last 30 years or so of these great UConn teams. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And uh, basically my, my goal with this is, you know, we're going to take uh, two teams at a time where, you know, every week we're going to discuss, you know, each one of them, we're going to go over, you know, their rosters, you know, their, the matchups, the, you know, individual, you know, who, who had more professional talent, kind of how those players match up against one another. Obviously, we'll talk about their tournament successes and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be cool. So um, just to run through the bracket. Uh, so today, Tim and I will be discussing the 1999 versus 2021, our uh, one versus 16 matchup. Uh, Tim will be uh, taking 1999. He will be presenting their case, kind of laying out the whole deal. I will be t- doing the same for 2021, and that will be basically the the routine for the next, you know, however many weeks as we run through this bracket. So, um, and then as for determining the winner, we're going to leave that up to you guys. So every week I'll post a poll on Twitter, and the question will be simple: Who would win? So you got 1999, you got 2021, or whoever the matchup is on a given week. And uh, you guys will vote on who you think will be the winner. And uh, I just hopefully you guys will kind of follow the spirit of the competition and uh, not just, I don't know, which pick whichever team you like more or dislike less or whatever. But we're going to, you know, we're going to put it all on the line here and uh, hopefully give you uh, some solid content. And uh, once we finish this up, uh, I don't know, probably sometime in June or July, then, you know, hopefully that'll. I think the t- Tim, tell me if this is a uh, if this makes sense. I time this out hopefully so that we'll do the final right around the time my baby comes, so that we can uh, put the show on hiatus at a good time, so that we can give it. You know, I can go be a dad for a bit, and then you know come back after you know once the season starts yeah. or something. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. So <laughs> that's uh. So we're we're one matchup per week, so we're gonna take our time. You know, no rush. I mean, really, what what the hell's going on right now? I mean, if we're lucky, we might get a couple of transfer announcements, but like, and, and we'll talk about those, obviously. But you know, whatever. So anyway, uh, this week, obviously, yeah. So 1999 versus uh, 2021 is today. Uh, next week, we will be doing the eight versus nine matchup, 2014 versus 1995 which I, I think is going to be a great one. I, I have no idea what yeah. to expect there. Um, after that, the four versus 13 will be 2011 versus 2005. Uh, then the five versus 12, 1998 versus 2002, which is a really fascinating matchup, actually. Both of those teams made the Elite Eight and like totally could have won it all if you know they had beaten whoever they, they played that, that game. Um, three versus 14 is 2009 versus 2003. You have six versus eleven, which is uh, two thousand six versus nineteen ninety four. Another absolute banger that I cannot wait for. You get the, the Rudy Gay team versus the Danielle Marshall Ray Allen team. Um, seven versus ten is ninety six versus ninety, which is a that that's one I I'm like a, a little worried about that one because I feel like those the fans of those teams love those teams and like yes. we may have like legit like <laughs> fights breaking out and hurt feelings. So I just want to state on the, the record. Who are a little- us are going to get really intense about that one yeah yeah i don't even yeah we boy we, we, just to also to make sure we emphasize we love all these teams so if tim yeah. is like <laughs> arguing in favor of 99 and i'm arguing in favor of 21 it does not mean that i have anything against the 99 team you know it's we it's just it's more fun if we <laughs> if we pick a side and that's what <laughs> we're going to do um and last last but not least the t- two versus 15 will be uh two 2004 versus 2016 so yeah, that's the, that's what we're doing. So, um, Tim, I guess, uh, why don't we start this, uh, show to get the show on the road and why don't you tell us a little bit about the 1999 UConn basketball team? Yeah. Well, uh, not a whole lot to say about that team. I don't think, but, uh, you know, in all seriousness, the first UConn team to win a national championship on the men's basketball program, um, incredible season, just Especially, you know, coming off the Elite Eight the year before, the excitement of making it that far, especially after beating Washington in the Sweet 16. You bring pretty much everyone back, and, you know, expectations are high. You come into the season, you're number two in the preseason poll, and you don't drop beyond four the entire season. I mean, they were a top-four team the entire way, and it was really – they were one of the two best teams the entire season. The the only reason they dropped is because they lost twice. All season, they lost two games. Started 19 and 0, lost to Syracuse because they, you know, they played a game without Richard Hamilton and Jake Voskel. That's 
that was always going to be tough. Two of the three guys who went on to play in the NBA, obviously a first-team All-American in Hamilton, was an ugly game. And, you know, string up, string together four more wins, just lose a tight game to Miami. And from there, you don't lose again all season. They go 12-2 and against the top 25. They beat five top 10 teams. Um, you know, cruise to the Big East title at Madison Square Garden after a narrow, narrow quarterfinal game against Seton Hall. They blew out Syracuse. They blew out St. John's. Uh, St. John's ended up being a three seed in the NCAA tournament that year. Uh, one of the many high seeds they beat. They beat a fellow one seed in Michigan State early in the season, a team who went on to the Final Four. Uh, St. John's is a three seed. They also beat Stanford and they beat Miami. They, they split with Miami, of course, coached back then by Leonard Hamilton. Um, Stanford and Miami were both two seeds. So this was a team that tested itself all season and, you know, met every test. And, you know, they lost to Miami, but they beat Miami. They lost to Syracuse, but they beat Syracuse twice. And, you know, one of those games was a blowout in the Big East tournament. So they go to the NCAA tournament, high expectations, Big East champions, obvious one seed. They beat four top 25 teams on the way to winning the national title, and obviously the last of those being Duke, a team that had lost once all season, has strung together, I believe, 30 wins in a row going into the championship game. But just an excellent performance. Beats Duke 77-74, our favorite score, in, of course, in men's basketball history. And you, know, there's, you can just go on forever about how great this team was and what this season meant to all of us. And obviously... It set the tone for what UConn men's basketball became. And for me, this was a special season because this was the year I went to my first ever game. It was uh, February. It was February 16th against Rutgers. They beat them 77-64. And then I was back there a couple months later celebrating a national title. So just an all-around just as good as it gets when it comes to looking back at the greatest seasons in UConn history. Just an outstanding team, a team that... You know, only they only went to overtime once. They played a couple of really tight games. They came through them. A lot, a lot of blowouts. A lot of convincing wins. Just all around an exceptional, exceptional team. Yeah. Well, you know what? I can't argue with any of that. Uh, you know, I think as a Boston guy, obviously, I can't really, you know, complain about having missed out on any titles because I've experienced so many in my Boston sports slash UConn <laughs> fandom. But uh, 19, I'm jealous of you and everybody who got to experience 1999 uh, just because of how special that season was and what it must have meant. And also, you know, I mean, like I, I was nine years old when this happened. You know, people my age, like you're right at that age where you're old enough to really appreciate something like that. So, man, it's just like, yeah, just a, it's a it was a really special season for sure. And, uh, you know, obviously their rec- their resume speaks for itself. Um Tell, tell us a little bit about the team, uh, specific, like the players, uh, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of these guys were, you know, super, super successful. A couple of them went on to do nice things in the pros. So let's, uh, let's hear the, hear the lineup. Who, who, who was, uh, suiting up for 1999? Well, of course you start with the big name, which was Richard Hamilton. One of the, one of the all time greats in program history. Again, first team all American went on to have an exceptional NBA career, was an NBA champion with the Pistons. Uh, that season, he was phenomenal. He averaged 21.5 points a game for, for UConn that year. Almost five rebounds, almost three assists per game. And he was the star. He was the star of the year before, too. And you know, But what's amazing is, you know, despite him being the only one to really go on and have an exceptional NBA career, um, this was a team that was deep. There were, there were guys producing all the way down. Obviously, right behind him is Khaled Elamin, my all-time favorite Husky. I will never love a Husky the way I love Khaled Elamin. And uh, as I look over at the signed jersey that I have hanging up on my wall, um, 13.8 points per game for him that year. Uh, of course, his sophomore year, and he played one more season after that. Um, f- almost four assists per game for, for Elamin. And he was great. I was actually just reading yesterday, or uh, saw a video. He was doing an interview with either, uh, was it Jeff Borzello or Rob Douster, where he was talking about how after the championship game, he almost got escorted out of the stadium because they didn't believe that the short, chubby guy, his words, could have been a national champion. But he was just, you know, he was so unique in his build and he was such an awesome talent. Just a guy who was never afraid to to go to the rim at 5'10 against much, much bigger players in a physical Big East. Thinking back to uh, 
you know, the game at Pittsburgh that season where, you know, they pulled off that exceptional miracle win at the end with uh, that last second shot, just phenomenal. Behind him, uh, Kevin Freeman, 12.2 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, one of the great rebounders in UConn history, Kevin Freeman. And, of course, we just got the news this week he's stepping out of his assistant coaching role with the team to pursue other opportunities on campus, other great opportunities. And we wish him all the best, and it sounds like a great chance for him. Um, Again, phenomenal rebounder on this team, was huge in that respect. And, of course, 12 points per game was uh, was very helpful. Um, another great rebounder on the team, Jake Voskel. Never a great scorer, only, you know, never needed to be five and a half points per game, but at 6'11", he was producing almost six and a half rebounds per game that year. Um, he was he was exceptional, but anytime I hear his name, all I can think of is my mom in my head just going, he's so cute. <laughs> that's all I can remember about Jake Voskel. He's an exceptionally handsome man, and you know what? He still is. Saw him at Gamble a few years ago. He looked fantastic, so good on Jake Foskell. Um, and then, obviously, you know, Rick, Ricky Moore, another great player. Loved watching him, especially defensively. Um, even Albert Mooring was a really good producer on this team. Edmund Saunders was a, a parade All-American in high school, along with Ricky Moore and Hamilton and El Amin, but uh, was kind of supporting cast on this team. But still, you know, six points, 4.7 rebounds. He was a solid player. And then... A couple of guys I don't think get talked about enough from that team, Rashmel Jones and Suleiman Wan. The numbers weren't there, but they were glue guys, and they were, you know, I just loved watching them play too. I thought that they were always fun to watch when they were on the floor. And, of course, you know, any with Rashmel Jones, I just connected to, you know, picking the ball up at the end of the game against Duke, throwing it up in the air, and running off and celebrating. That was awesome. Shout out and to, then, uh, I was about to say, yeah. sorry, shout out to Suleiman Wan, fa- uh, friend of the podcast. Yes. and uh Put on a, quite a show against Duke, I have to say. I, I always lo- love... Yeah, he was awesome against Duke. I always look forward to his cameo in that game whenever I rewatch it. It's, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Suleiman Wan. Um, a couple other guys on this team. Um, you know, EJ Harrison, you know, well, didn't, didn't play a whole lot. I just remember, I was, I gotta admit, when I was, when I was a kid, after this 1999 season, I had gotten the, um, the WTIC uh, tape of Joe D'Ambrosio just narrating the whole season, like the story of the season um, on, on a two-tape set. And I would honestly listen to that every night when I went to bed because it was just my favorite thing in the world. And I just remember there was a, there was a time he came in and he threw, a, he threw a great alley-oop pass to Edmund Saunders. And that's all I remember of EJ Harrison was because Joe D'Ambrosio was freaking out about it. And I just, you know, I just associated him with that. And just a great memory. And one other guy that I want to point out, Antrick Claver. The reason I'm pointing out Antrick Claver is because in 2014, when I was down at the men's Final Four, I was watching the women's Final Four game against Stanford and at the team hotel. There was a huge party. And all of a sudden, I look, and there's this giant person on a table. And it's six foot ten Claver doing a UCONN chant. Oh and I just God. thought it was one of the greatest things. What a what but, a guy! What yeah, a life. you look back. <laughs> uh, just a just a great team. Just again, only only Hamilton really goes on to have a great career in the NBA. Elamine and Vosco got there. Uh, Vosco floated around for a couple of years. Elamine pretty much went to Europe right away. Uh, I think he spent two years with the Bulls or one season with the Bulls, and then it was off to Europe. Um, but you know these guys. You know Freeman and Moore went on to be you know to have really good coaching careers. Suleiman Wan, I believe, is coaching as well, right? He is coaching up in my neck of the woods, yes. Uh, Haverhill High School yes. in the Merrimack Valley Conference. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, just just a great group of guys. It was a really great college basketball team. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the lineup that Duke had, which is, you know, talked about one of the greatest starting fives ever assembled. But, you know, it was it was a well-rounded team. It had a lot of talent and it won a lot of basketball games. Like they just knew how to win together, and it was great to watch. Yeah, well, you know what? They're the the number one overall seed for a reason, I guess. But yeah. they are, yeah. That's it's quite a team. Uh, you you won't hear me argue against their greatness, but you what? What you will hear me is at least try to make a case for our hot sauce Huskies uh, this year's 2021 <laughs> team. So, 
we all i mean we know this team very well obviously this has literally just been only been a matter of weeks since they last played but uh you know uh so this year's team obviously they went uh it was a a COVID 19 shortened season they experienced a couple of pauses and it was just a weird year overall so some of the numbers reflect that but you know considering where uconn basketball has been this team was a just a, a a remarkable breakthrough and yet at the same time look look where they're seated like it just goes to show you just how far UConn still has to go so it's a it was great to have a have a really fun team uh, and you know certainly it was great to have a team that we believed in and you know, ultimately didn't quite live up to maybe our loftiest dreams but even still uh, a lot a lot of fun here a lot of a lot of great uh, a lot of great moments a lot of great players um so just to run through it uh, this team finished 15 and 8 uh, they were 11 and 6 in the Big East finished third in the conference reached the Big East tournament semifinals uh, and they made it back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 5 years before losing in the first round to Maryland uh, so your, your key players, obviously, you got to start with James Booknight, uh, who we believe will be drafted in the first round of the NBA draft in a couple of uh, months, whenever whenever that all goes down. You know, he uh, you know, technically he didn't have a qualify for the Big East like scoring title or anything, but he would have been right there. Uh, he had 18.7 points per game when all was said and done, despite missing uh, a significant time, uh, eight games, I believe, I think with his uh, elbow injury. So that was that was obviously tough but book night great player uh, RJ Cole was uh, the team's number two guy really came on strong late in the season finished with 12.2 points per game and uh, just lockdown defender um, a lot of these guys obviously you know came through big time on defense uh, you know on the wing Tyrese Martin uh, transferred in from URI and was really was really essential like, I don't know where this team would have been without him he he comes up with a sneaky 10.3 uh, points per game which I have to be honest when I saw that I was like really, really? he scored that much because he was one of those guys where you, you either get 20 points or sometimes you might get like three and then you'd also look at the box score and see that he uh you know would pull it like randomly pull down like eight or nine rebounds so uh he was the team's leading rebounder with uh, seven and a half uh, boards per game and a uh, really solid defensive player too um Isaiah Whaley we all love him. He's coming back, which is dope. Uh, he's uh, Let's go. yeah, I, reigning defensive uh, Big East defensive player of the year. And uh, honestly, like you want me to you know, preview my argument against this '99 team coming up? Whaley's going to have a big part of it. I mean, the dude nails on defense, and uh, you know, pretty solid in other respects. You know, eight eight points and uh, six point two rebounds. Um, you know, obviously, uh, sixty blocked shot. Oh God, sixty blocked shots. I I didn't realize he had that many. Holy crap! Good good season for him there. And uh, joining him in the front court, you have Adama Sonogo, uh, who ended up with seven seven point three points, uh, four point eight rebounds, and it sure felt like he could have wound up with a whole lot more than that. I mean, he came on strong as a freshman and was awesome. Uh, Tyler Pauly, your sixth man of the year. Uh, he shot uh thirty five point five percent from three pointers. And honestly, like that seemed kind of low for him, but coming off the torn ACL, but still obviously when he was hot, I mean, just ask Marquette what happens when he, when he got open shots and, uh, some, some confidence, uh, seven point, uh, five points a game for him. And, uh, you know, you can kind of go down the line that you, you have uh, Andre Jackson who you didn't score a whole lot, but he's a, uh, you know, super athletic could really, you know, defend the hell out of the ball. Good rebounder, good passer. Uh, Brendan Adams could knock down some threes. Jalen Gaffney, uh, really good in the tournament. Um, you know, definitely, you know, a good slasher, you know, one of those guys who could, uh, get to the line and knock down his free throws. And, um, you know, Josh Carlton, uh, you know, not didn't play the role he has in the past couple of years, but a solid bench guy who, uh, you know, uh, plugged up some holes in the front court. So um, Ken Palm loved this team. Uh, you know, this team was one of, actually one of UConn's better Ken Palm teams of the past 20 years. Uh, they stack up well against even a lot of the good ones. Uh, they were 21st in the country in Ken Palm when all was said and done uh, with plus 20.61 uh, adjusted efficiency. Uh, they were 27th in offense and 29 in defense. I have to admit, I was really surprised to see that they were actually that good in offense because, you know, <laughs> it didn't always seem like it at times. <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah, just like I think the thing that you can say the most about this team is that they were competitive in every game. They never got blown out uh, defensively. They, they were usually really, really good. They, they shut down a lot of really st- solid players. Offensively, obviously, wasn't always great, <laughs> but you know, they, there's something to be said about being able to compete. So that's what I, yeah. So that's the, that's the 21 team. So, um, who would win? 
<laughs> I guess trying to uh, figure with a good a good segue. So yeah, I don't know. So Tim, let's uh let's try to like play through this in our head. Like you get these two teams on the yeah. court. What what do you think? What why don't you tell tell me? You know, kind of just as a start, what what you think would happen, and maybe kind of some of the, you know notable matchups that like why don't we start there the notable matchups because that's really kind of what we're talking about how, how how do you think the 99 team stacks up in with 2021 in terms of you know player position matchups all that kind of good stuff well i think a couple guys on the 21 team would be maybe a little bit stronger but the thing that gives me pause about that team is you know we saw how awful they were playing at the rim. They were great getting offensive rebounds, but they were horrible at finishing at the rim. And that's what doomed them in the NCAA tournament. And when I look at that, compared to the 99 team, which again, we talked about had a really solid, you know, they were a really solid rebounding team. They were 29th in the nation in rebounding. But playing at the rim, you know, not only did teams struggle to attempt two-pointers against them, they, uh, you know, they just... Or they actually no, I'm sorry, I'm saying wrong. They they gave up a lot of two point attempts, but teams didn't score well against them from close in. They didn't score well from inside the arc. In fact, UConn was twenty third in two point field goal percent defense in nineteen ninety nine, which is something that this team would have a hard time with. And even trying to rely on the offensive rebounds, they'd be going up against a team that was um, against a team that was twenty first in defensive rebounding that season 29th and rebounding overall I think that would be really hard for them to overcome and I think one of the things that would really come down to is obviously shutting down Richard Hamilton and you know as much as we heralded RJ Cole for what he did against guys like Marcus Zagorowski this season and um, you know some of the other great players in the Big East I don't know if he would have been able to shut down Richard Hamilton in his prime in that junior season. I think he would have had a really hard time with that. Well, I agree, um, and that's why I don't think yeah. there's any way R.J. Cole would be guarding Hamilton. I think that would be yeah. a, I think oh. that would be Tyrese yeah. Martin's assignment, don't you think? Which I think I think you're right, and I think that that would just be another situation where I think that would be really tough for him. It would also, you know, I just think that Hamilton was so flexible in the way he could play. I think that he would have just, you know slash Martin apart, playing him, going up against him one-on-one. And that was a team that could really, again, you know, I talked about Elamine being able to go to the rim, Hamilton being able to go to the rim. This team, this UConn team this year was really, they had a really hard time staying out of foul trouble. And I think that that's another situation where, you know, this team would have put them in severe foul trouble. And that would have, that would have really messed up the 21 team against this 99 team which I think just overall, you know, better, better defensively, especially at the rim. They had, they had more guys who I think could shoot the three effectively. I think UConn got really streaky from three this year, and I think that that's something that the 99 team wouldn't have, wouldn't have had as much issue with. With you know, Hamilton was close to 35%. Um, Mooring obviously wasn't you know, a major producer on this team, but he, you know, he took more than... 83-point attempts, he hit 38% of them. Ricky Moore, Khaled Elamine, I think those are guys who could all hit the three. And I just think this 21 team would have a really tough time at either end of the floor, keeping everybody on the floor especially. And, you know, for a team that really struggles at the rim to make their shots, they'd have a really hard time getting the chances, the second, third, fourth chances that they got this year. So I think obviously if we're talking about how the 21 team can beat 99, I think you and I can agree that they, they win that game by turning it into the 2011 championship game, just an absolute tractor pull. Yeah. So yep. as far as the 21 team's uh, defense, cause that's really their, their ball game. I mean, the only way they beat 99 is just by shutting them down, which is obviously easier said than done. So I, I feel like we need to focus on the matchups and specifically how the front court and really for the three through five would deal with, with Hamilton and then also to a lesser extent with Freeman and Voskel. Cause you know, I think RJ Cole, I, I would imagine would probably be put on Elamine and could, could, could RJ Cole guard Elamine? Maybe I don't know. That's hard. That's a that's a tough one because that's like you're talking about like the the, the really short athletic guy versus like the you know the the deceptively athletic pudgy guy. So he was quick. Yeah, exactly. Really exactly. For, for a guy 
guy of his build. Like it was really impressive. so. Like on one on one hand, it's like if R.J. Cole can guard Mar- you know Zagorowski and you know some of these other guys, then like I I kind of feel like he could probably keep Elamine from going crazy. I mean, I'm sure Elamine would would definitely like get to at least you know double digits automatically, but like. You know, yeah. if the differences between like, oh, if he gets like 12 points versus like 22 points, th- that that would make a big difference. <laughs> so and then yeah, I, for sure. and then like, you know, Book Knight, I would imagine would probably be guarding uh, Ricky Moore. I, I, offensively, that's not really, you know, Ricky Moore isn't the uh, isn't really the threat offensively. You, you're, you're worried about what he's yeah. going to do to Book Knight on defense or, or I don't know what Rip is going to do what to Book Knight on defense. I'm not really sure how that would go. So what do you so Whaley? Uh, Sonogo and Martin. That's an interesting front court matchup. What do you think about how those teams would like, you know, so Voskel versus Sonogo, I guess, would probably be the logical thing there. Whaley versus Freeman. Whaley, let's, uh, let's also just address this. Whaley would love that. It's, yes. his, it's his coach. He gets to go guard his coach. He gets to try to dunk on his coach, except like the college version of him. Like that's that's yeah. like an underrated factor. Like Freeman would literally, uh, assistant coach Freeman would literally have like got, taken Whaley and be like, "All right, yo, here's all my moves. Here's what I think. Like, go, go, try to shut me down. See, you know, see what you can do." <laughs> I don't know. What do you What do you think of that whole thing? You You think like does a twenty one team have it have like maybe if not an advantage at least? Uh, are they competitive there? I think they're competitive for sure. I think that Sonogo versus Vosco would be a really fun matchup to watch. And I think, obviously, now knowing what we know, Whaley versus Freeman, I mean, come on. Um, especially, you know, Whaley's got two inches on him, too. So I think that would be a really fun thing to see. I think I, it still drives me wild that Ricky, uh, that Kevin Freeman was such an outstanding rebounder at 6'7", you know, compared to other guys on the team and in a, in a physical Big East. I just think that's incredible. But, yeah, I think... The, again, the thing—the only thing that worries me with the bigs in that matchup for uh, for the twenty-one team is the foul trouble. I think, you know, for for as dominant as they could be, there was just you know the times where they would just get a little over aggressive, or they would, you know, they would get beat, and they would just try to like they would try to do something stupid too quick, like really quick, and you know, next thing you know, after a great three, four minute run from Adama Sonogo. He's got eight points. He's got four rebounds, but he's on the bench with two fouls. So that's just something that gives me a lot of pause. Like, I think that they would be a really, they'd be a fun matchup. They'd be a really great matchup to watch, but you know, that like, that would be my biggest concern. Yeah. Regardless. Well, foul trouble happens both ways. I mean, who's to say that Sonogo yeah. couldn't take Voskal out of the game. I mean, I, it could, you know, Voskal was a smart player, but any big is at, is at risk of it happening. I mean, we saw it happen to Okafor against Duke in 2004. Like, yeah, true. you know, the, you know I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the, the 21 team to, you know, have, you know, to give, to give 99 a game in the front court. I, where I guess kind of what I'm thinking now is like, UConn's got to keep rip. For, or, so UConn, 21 has to keep rip, <laughs> rip from going totally crazy. So, Tyrese Martin and probably some combination of Book Knight and you know they they would they would I would imagine they're probably double teaming uh, you know Hamilton as much as possible, but like twenty one's yeah. interesting because they're super athletic and Book Knight and Martin and you know obviously to some extent Whaley even though he he's probably got his own stuff he's dealing with, you know they they got the tools to to like keep up with Hamilton you know obviously you know Rip is just. A, outstanding player they, they they're not going to be able to keep him down you know his shooting is outstanding his you know his slashing is outstanding his passing all that he's all that in, in a bag of chips we, we get it but at least he's not going to be capable of necessarily physically overwhelming him if that makes sense or yeah. or am i wrong i don't know like it's been a while since i've watched like a ton of tape of 99 rip hamilton is, <laughs> I, I, am i am i am i like I, am i in, in am i in bounds here yeah, I think it's totally fair. I think physically Tyrese Martin would be a really tough matchup for him. I mean, Tyrese Martin physically is a tough matchup for a lot of players. Um, in terms of a double team, I think this could also, you know, if this would be a game where, you know, someone like Jalen Gaffney could play a really important role um, in terms of, you know, doubling up on Richard Hamilton when he, you know, when he rotates into the game. I think that, you know, there are a couple of guys that you could put on him and really you could potentially limit him. But I think that he was just so good at, 
you know, finding his way out of that kind of trouble that I think that he would be able to overcome it and, you know, pull out a win. I like, I just think that he was, he was that good. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's flip the onus on 99. They got to deal with book night and, you know, book night for our purposes, let's just say book night is we get the, the, the Creighton version of book night, like pre-injury, you know, even, even when he's not great, he's easily hitting 20 points and you feel like you could get more out of him. 99 what's what's their response to that book night I think he got really frustrated when he's you know when he's getting doubled up or when you know even not necessarily tripled up but the double also has someone else who's really who's blocking passing lanes making it difficult for him to move the ball around because you know we see how frustrated he would get when he was just completely locked down like that and he couldn't he couldn't play his way out of trouble and no one could get, get near him to get the ball. And it just completely took him out of his rhythm and not just for one possession, it would just be constant. Um, I think that, you know, in the, in the backcourt 99 would have the guys, you know, maybe Hamilton, but more, you know, Ricky Moore and Colin Elamine, you put them on book night and they're, he's going to have a really hard time getting out of trouble. It's I just having this discussion. I just really wish that we could just get these guys to play. It would be awesome to actually see that happen yeah. for real. Because <laughs> like I mean, Book Knight's legit. Like you know, that's like the thing. Like you look at the twenty one team, and for a lot of reasons, you're like, yeah, you like it shouldn't really be close. But then you, you look at the roster, and like I mean, I don't know. Like these guys, like they could probably play with them. Like could they win? I, yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, they, it's they certainly funny, wouldn't like, be favored. But like freaking George Mason beat the two thousand six team. Like anything could happen. I don't know. Maybe maybe they could yeah. beat them. It'd be, it'd be something else. But I don't know. The more I look at the rosters, like the more I look at this summary of the the 99 team and I look at you know the the breakdown in production I'm looking and I'm seeing okay you know 21 and a half point per game Richard Hamilton there's your book night 13.8 you know really solid defensive player you know guy who can you know who might get streaky for three but he can hit them Elamine's RJ Cole I look at Kevin Freeman and his numbers you know 12.7 rebounds I'm seeing Tyrese Martin and just from there, like you plug in, you plug in the guys. Like they're like they're. The more I think about, it, the more these teams are kind of built similarly. I you know I think that ninety nine has the advantage of just you know. I think that that team just had a little bit more. I think they definitely were more experienced. Um, especially you know they brought back ninety three percent of their scoring and ninety one percent of their minutes from the year before. A team that went to the elite eight. Uh, that kind of experience helps big time. But it's just interesting to see, like, you know, the more you dive into the construction of these teams, like the production, they do kind of have similar paths. Yeah, it would be it would be cool. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it, it would it would be it would be fascinating. I, I feel like people who see the two teams and just, you know, pick it, you know, you have to gun to your head, pick one. Obviously, you're tempted to just go with the higher seed in this case, 99. But like, yeah, it's not it's not crazy to imagine realistic scenarios where 21 could win. So, um, yeah. So I feel like, I don't know. Is there any, I guess, is there any other matchups we should, we should address here? Any maybe stylistic stuff? I mean, coaching wise, I don't, I don't feel like we need to really touch coaching too much because like most of these, we're just going to be, it's going to be Calhoun versus Calhoun anyway. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, you know, obviously we, you know, these teams played the way they played. So I don't know any, anything else kind of on, you know, kind of the, the matchup stuff that we should uh, touch on before we get into, get into crunch time. Uh, I don't think so necessarily. I think, uh, I think we've, uh, yeah, I think we've touched on pretty much, uh, what we would expect from these teams. All right. Sounds good. So why don't we, let's state our case then, Tim. So for all the listeners, we're going to post a poll on Twitter uh, so that you guys can all place your votes and uh, determine who's going to move on. And before we do, uh, we're each, Tim and I are each going to make our case for our team. And uh, we're, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Binge Mode Marvel, but they have a segment where they, you know, the, the hosts will argue in favor of who won the movie or whatever it is they're talking about. And we're going to do something kind of similar. So Tim and I will each get one minute. Uh, we'll, we'll time each other. So, you know, when the person gets to a minute, we'll cut them off and 
Don't let them uh, go over time or anything. And basically, we'll each just make our case. After that, we'll uh, each get 30 seconds of rebuttal to, you know, address anything if the other guy says something, you know, crazy or ridiculous or uh, offensive <laughs> or anything like that. So, um, Tim, you got to I imagine that you probably have uh, the um, uh, like a stopwatch app on your phone, right? I've got it already pulled up. All right, beautiful. Me too. So why don't we, You, I'll let you go first. And uh, yeah, so when I, I'll give you the count of three and when I do three, two, one, I'll hit start and you, uh, you get going. Does that sound good? Let's do it. All right. So Tim, crunch time, 1999 in three, two, one, go. Yeah, I think the 99 team ends up winning. I think head to head the two stars. I think Hamilton has the edge over Book Knight in terms of you know being a generational talent for this program. Uh, similar heights, similar experience, but that 99 team brought back almost 92 percent of its minutes from the Elite Eight the year before. They really show that they can go into crunch time against big teams. They went 12 and two against the top 25. It was exceptional the way they were able to overcome some of those teams and get huge wins. They um, you know, they were just, they were so dominant from start to finish that season. Those two wins were just hiccups along the road. And, you know, I think that Duke team was so unbelievably good that year that people forget how good UConn was, but UConn went in and just played an outstanding game against them in the championship. I just think you put these two teams on the floor together. It's really close, but I think the 99 team has just enough. They have the experience. They've got Hamilton. I in time. Wow, nice job. <laughs> I, 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 only <laughs> I was cut... staring down the whole time, just like, oh my god. I almost cut you off. I only, I only think I got you like the last set sentence there. So great. Yeah. All right, cool. So um, yeah. So I guess let's uh, let's uh, you count me in, and uh, we'll let me do my thing. I guess for twenty one. All right, in three, two, one, go. All right, guys. I know what you're all thinking. The 99 team wins in a row, right? You know what? It's tempting to think that. But remember, this is college basketball. Anything can happen. And just because, you know, sure, 99 won the national championship and they had Rip Hamilton and all these other super awesome players. Look, 2021 is a great team. They were competitive in every game. You know, you have James Booknight, an NBA lottery talent, RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, Whaley, Sonogo, all all really good players who match up well against their counterparts physically. And hey, look, you want to talk about some craziness? Hot Sauce Huskies was a thing. That Marquette game, it happened, okay? This team proved that it was capable of some improbable and wild stuff. And hey, they can defend the hell out of the ball too. So sure, you could hit a vote for 99, but that's just what people will expect. Or you could vote for the 2021 team, turn this whole tournament on its heels, and we'll make some real madness here, all right? Vote for 21. Nice. Bang. Right on the dot. How do you like that? Man, we, we crushed it. One minute each. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was keeping my own time, too. I needed to make sure I got my uh, my punchline in. Uh, so how about t- <laughs> 30 seconds on the rebuttal so you can uh, knock down whatever nonsense I just said? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, go. Well, Mac, I'm guessing you might have run for class president or something like that during your uh, during your early years because that was pretty convincing and it sounded like the kind of speech I think that you would give a really good speech for a position like that. I you were almost convincing me to vote for 21, but you know that team. You know there were some really good players. I just think a couple of the younger guys, you know, lacked a little bit of experience that would give them a really tough time against some of the experienced guys from the '99 team. So. I don't know. I'm not totally in time. Wow. You just gave me a lot of credit. That was risky, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I Did you uh, run for class president. Hell no. I dude, come on me in politics. Yeah. Come on. That would be, that'd be outrageous. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll take my 30 seconds to rebut, I guess the, I don't know, fairly un, unoffensive things you just said there. So, uh, I don't know. Count me in whenever you're ready. <laughs> All right, in three, two, one, go. The nineteen ninety nine team lost to Miami. Case closed. I seed the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Now Thank you, you, you for bringing up one of the worst experiences I've ever watched on TV. Yeah, and you know what? It's too bad. I guess I'll, I'll take my uh, home field advantage there because uh, you, you've already used your, your rebuttal, so you can't point out any of the horrific things that uh, somehow were not brought up about this team. So, uh, yeah, so... That's it. It's not clear on the rules. <laughs> well, you know what? I think <laughs> somehow I somehow I suspect that uh, my shenanigans will probably not necessarily work for me. But hey, at least you can't yeah. say I, I didn't try. So uh, anyway, now listeners, we leave it up to you. Um, so who would win? Nineteen ninety. Uh, who would win? Nineteen ninety nine or two thousand twenty one? We'll have that poll posted on Twitter, and we'll leave it open for a couple days, probably till like Friday or something. And uh, you guys choose who who you think would win, and uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we'll have the results, and then we will uh, discuss 2014 versus 1995. Somehow, I think I know which team Tim is going to be arguing in favor of. Tim, do you have a, a preference between <laughs> those two teams, uh, which you'd rather take? Uh, well, I was at just about every game in 2014, so that might be... Uh... That might be the team I have to uh, have to roll with. But that's just what the people would expect. <laughs> it's, no, it's it cool. I, honestly, I was I would have I would have I want I want to argue ninety five anyway. Honestly, that team I, I have a lot of actually for considering I was five years old at the time. I have a lot of opinions about that team. So you guys will <laughs> you guys will all just have to tune in next week and uh, we'll uh, you know have to guess uh see how it plays out so uh anyway uh, tim thanks so much for agreeing to take this uh yukon basketball journey with me i'm really looking forward to it and i uh, hope we have some good discussions in the weeks and months to come yeah i've always enjoyed coming on and i'm really i really appreciate that you thought of me for this it's going to be a really fun project yeah and i hope you guys all enjoy it as much as uh, as much as we are and yeah uh, so make sure you put in your votes uh spread the word you know retweet this so everyone you know all of yukon twitter can get all up in arms and you know come telling me and tim that we were horrible and we have bad opinions it's it's all good that's it's uh it, if we're if we can't cyber bully other yukon twitter personalities in the summer then you know what's the point of even going online really like that's it's yeah. all we do during the season anyway is like now we just need to you know get get after it uh you know some other way so anyway uh thanks that you guys all so much for listening uh we'll be back next week uh as we said and uh you guys know the drill you can follow me on twitter at max cerullo m-a-c-c-e-r-u-l-l-o my dms are open and actually tim you have a new twitter handle yourself now don't you yeah um tim from yukon really really simple and uh not all that clever i just uh decided to do a real overhaul of my twitter account so just uh Decided to go all UConn on it. Beautiful. Well, so yeah, so you, you can follow Tim there, and uh, you can you know reach us by email at yesuconnpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, just five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and all those other good stuff helps the show. And um, yeah, you know you guys know you guys uh, know how it is. Uh, you guys all uh, come back next week, and we'll uh, talk to you soon, okay? You guys have a good one. Yeah.